Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's podcast. This is J.W. Marshall with Market Scale, and we've got a great guest on today's episode, Scott Pleasance. He is an innovative technology executive and ed tech leader and speaker, and he is also the chief innovation officer at Innovate Lynchburg. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we've got a lot of ground to cover today. A lot's happening here in uh, the digital landscape. Um, If you could just start out by giving our audience a little bit more details on your background and what you do. So I uh, have been in the tech sector for almost 25 plus years, and I've dealt a lot with um, education all the way to business startups. Started my first company in eighth grade, and I caught the bug then and haven't been able to move away from it. So what I've been doing lately is... uh, consulting uh, for local regional businesses in the Central Virginia area on how they can digitally transform their organization to make the most of their technology uh, decisions. So uh, that's a little bit about me. I spent 10 years in the Army, and uh, it's been an exciting ride. And so I'm sure you've seen a lot of digital transformation in your uh, couple of decades plus of doing this. Uh Tell us about kind of the trajectory we were on and how has COVID just completely changed everything? So I think as you look at uh, what COVID has done is it's actually accelerated what we've all known in tech. Um, One of those things happens to be video conferencing. Uh, Video conferencing used to be an added value service uh, by a lot of vendors because, again, we were used to doing face-to-face meetings. But when COVID hit, all of a sudden it became a necessity. And so now you're starting to see what, as again, as I said earlier, we're starting to see the industry change to where we're starting to interact a lot more intentionally through tools like Microsoft Teams, Cisco WebEx and Zoom. Um, And one of the things I'm noticing, especially during this time of COVID, is Uh, organizations now are starting to take a keen look at what their inventory looks like or what I would say their technology portfolio is. And a lot of times, if you look uh, going back uh, pre-COVID, a lot of organizations haphazardly seem to be spending money on technologies that they didn't really ask, why do we have this? And so now I feel like there's a big trend starting to take place where companies are now looking inward saying, wait a minute, we already own Microsoft Teams or we have Google uh, Meet. Why are we paying this extra money for these additional resources? And so it seems like uh, you would think the portfolio of software is growing for a lot of companies because maybe they weren't prepared. Um, But before Uh, you would advise before companies go out and get more software, they really look at what they have because some of the tools they may have may already do some of the things that they need and they just don't know it. Is that an accurate assessment? Absolutely. And what would you kind of advise on how to do that review internally or uh, have a third party come in and, and kind of do a needs assessment? What's kind of the best practice in that respect? 
Well, I would actually say a little bit of both. First of all, you got to know your organization. Um, again, that means that you need to kind of get with your teams and figure out, okay, what are our objectives? What are we trying to solve here? Uh, because again, technology is only as good as the problem you're trying to solve. And so a lot of times organizations need to take a step back and assess things internally. And then, yeah, I would say they need to get an external third party. Sometimes it's it's just like a dating game. You want somebody who can see things that are in your blind spot. And uh, for a lot of organizations, if they could take a step back and look at the playing field, all of a sudden they you'll be surprised on what they're missing. And also they'll get a really good glimpse of what they have already, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and that kind of leads to another question that's been coming up more and more. Um, a lot of companies are still trying to grow through this time and onboard new employees. What uh, best practices or softwares have you seen as far as uh, the online learning component when you can't have your first day in the office? Um, how does that look for, for clients that you work with? So I'll tell you, um, I'm going to jump on the Microsoft bandwagon for a minute. Um, being a Mac user uh, for a long time, uh, there was a period where I just didn't give Microsoft the time of day. But the thing that's impressed me the most is what they've been doing with Microsoft Teams, Yammer, and the whole 365 suite. Um a lot of organizations who are in the Microsoft uh, camp, this gives us an opportunity not only to engage our employees a little bit more efficiently, but it also gives us that opportunity to be able to expand on how we onboard. So using tools like Microsoft Teams and Microsoft Stream, one, we can actually develop a portfolio of training which human resources and divisional onboarding departments can actually leverage these tools to better engage the new employee, whether they're in person or remote. And what this does is it gives them a way in which they can develop and train employees in small, uh, what I would call bite size uh, components, rather than giving them a 30 minute or an hour's worth of training, if they break it up into small bite size sections, you're going to get a greater return on your investment. So Microsoft Teams actually is giving uh, employers an, an exceptional way of not only communicating with their teams, but also giving them a way in which they can train them. And then an additional piece there, I would say Microsoft is also leveraging this platform to help with peer uh, mentorship. So especially in this COVID uh, uh, cycle that we're in, uh, if you were one of my employees, one of the things I've seen is connecting people via a virtual um, session that allows for uh, constant communication with a mentor within an organization so that they're able to ask some key questions that might not be obviously uh, put out by human resources, uh, such as what does an individual team do? Um, or how do they interact with, say, a CRM or some type of um, entity within that particular division of an organization, but also being able to provide that mentorship and guidance that would help them to better understand what's going on. Because when you're going into a company as a new employee, 
there's a lot coming at you. And when you're not able to physically be there, that mentorship um, is a very critical uh, piece of developing the employees so that they can actually become a, a viable part of a team. Absolutely. And so it uh, sounds like that's a really good way to kind of employ micro learning opportunities uh, as not just a one day onboarding, but continuing that onboarding process, which is so critical as a best practice uh, once someone starts out. Absolutely. Back to the, the video conferencing for a moment. Um, you mentioned Zoom, WebEx, Teams. Um, it seems that people are getting Zoom fatigue, even though uh, <laughs> Zoom is not just Zoom anymore. It kind of is the Kleenex uh, of brands right now. Um, how have you coached your clients on avoiding Zoom fatigue? So this is really nothing new. Um, some people would say they had meeting fatigue uh, prior to COVID. And what it what's what I've really seen is individuals who feel like they're on, under Zoom fatigue. It's literally uh, it comes down to the way the organization uh, plans out their meetings. Um, and again, this comes back to planning out your calendar. For me, I do a block scheduling. And so there are periods of time that um, I put in my calendar that keep individuals from being able to schedule meetings with me. Because if you don't do that, first and foremost, you're going to get burned out. It doesn't matter if it's through video conferencing or face-to-face -face meeting. Um, I've worked in organizations where if anybody can find that blank spot in your calendar, they're going to try to book you. So the one thing that I'll tell people to do is, first of all, you really do need to get a handle on your calendar. Don't let that uh, that basically skill set fade. And then secondly, you know, be discerning about the number of meetings that you need to be in. Because again, yes, video conferencing is super easy to do. But again, going back to those pre-COVID days, you've just got to schedule your day out so that you're not maximizing uh, all of your day with meetings, but you're actually able to focus in on getting work done. That's great advice. Um, and that kind of leads me to want more advice. Uh, as far as this digital transformation and everyone working from home for the most part, um, do you see this continuing on past COVID, hopefully sooner than later? Or where do you think we're going to land uh, in the coming months and, and years as far as this digital transformation? What are going to be the lasting effects? I think it's going to be a mix of both because I do feel that there is a uh, real value in face-to-face -face meetings because with face-to-face -face meetings, not, not that video conferencing um, doesn't allow that, but there is something about a person's uh, persona and the way that they handle themselves in face-to-face -face meetings that are really valuable. And it's actually helped businesses uh, across the country grow throughout time. Um, that is one of the things that uh, American businesses have been hallmarked for is their ability to work in meetings. But I think we're going to find a little bit of both and it's going to be a nice blend because now that people have been engaged in tools like Zoom and Microsoft Teams, they're finding this is a really great tool. And if we continue down this path, we can actually accomplish more. A good vertical would be healthcare. If you if remember before, a uh, little bit before uh, COVID, 
uh, number of uh, basically doctors were somewhat naysayers of, you know, telemedicine. But now that it's upon us, a lot of doctors have changed their minds about this and they're scratching their heads saying, wow, this is pretty good. So now there is this whole movement of looking at how we can do more preventative medicine. So everything from the Apple Watch or to devices that can actually give uh, doctors some kind of like pre-appointment data, all of a sudden you're now starting to see how this is starting to take effect with transforming a lot of different verticals. So I think we're going to see a little blend of both. And I think that's an exciting time because as we move forward, you're going to see tools advancing. Um, Microsoft Teams is a good example of this. We could be communicating with three different entities from all over the world and Microsoft has put a lot of AI into their engine. And so it instantly translates what we're talking about into those respective cultures. And so we now have uh, a digital interpreter, per se, that is helping us to not only better engage each other, but is also helping us to solve problems uh, that we have experienced over time. And now we have solutions right at our fingertips. So we have more resources than any other time in history to solve business problems. And it's just a matter now of figuring out how to blend those two worlds together so that we can not only maximize our business outcomes, but we also can uh, better serve our employees who might not necessarily work in our home office. That's great. And what we've seen is a lot of companies now that their online trainings have or their trainings have gone online, um, they've started to realize that they're doing a lot of the same training over and over. Um, and if they're going to do that online, why not record it once and then have that available kind of for the masses and then only have meetings whenever there's a good why, whenever there's a collaboration or something like that. Is that something that you've been uh, seeing uh, with your clients as well? I have been seeing that. And again, just to talk about uh, Microsoft, that's one of the th great things about their ecosystem is when you are uh, when you sign up for, say, Microsoft 365, you get not only email, Microsoft Teams, Yammer, SharePoint, but this wonderful tool called Microsoft Stream is made available to organizations do exactly what you're talking about. Not only does it allow you to record uh, meetings, it also allows you to to develop learning paths for your employees uh, because when you take that and incorporate, say, a tool like Microsoft Forms, you're able to not only know that the employee has gone through the training, but you're also able to capture some questions or even uh, keep a record of employee uh, an employee going through that particular learning path. So, yes, I definitely see that this is going to be a trend that more and more organizations are going to capitalize on more than they ever have before. All right. Now the next question, Mac or PC? Everybody has a little bit of a preference. Uh, where do you kind of fall on that? So uh, just like with any organization, you got to kind of know who you are and what the makeup of your teams are. So I've seen it where some people are like, no, we're going to just go straight windows. It's the most cost effective way. But that to me is figurative. Um, I'm a Mac and a Windows guy. I love both platforms. 
Uh, I have a Microsoft Surface uh, Pro, and um, I also have uh, a MacBook Pro. It just depends on what I'm doing. So it really just comes down to the organization. I know places like IBM, uh, they give their employees the choice of Mac or uh, or a Windows device. Uh, I know Cisco, I've got a good friend that works there as well. And Again, depending on how uh, it works within the uh, the context of the individual departments, I don't think it's an either or. It's just, hey, if I can give you a Mac and that's going to make you happy and make you more uh, well-rounded and efficient employee, by all means, it could actually be one of those things that can keep an employee at your organization. Because if your employees are happy with what they're working with, Really, to be honest with you, I think that's one of the places to start is not always looking at the cost, but also looking at the overall total cost of um, of the technology that your employees are using. So I've seen uh, organizations also deploy iPads instead of computers now. And a lot of those organizations are, um, it's usually their sales force that is using that. But with the way that technology is changing, um, I would actually even throw another uh, platform into the mix, and that is uh, with the Samsung devices. Um, Samsung has this wonderful technology that they've yet to capitalize fully on, and that's called DeX. And what you can do is you take your Samsung Galaxy S20, you plug it into a monitor, and you have a wireless keyboard and a mouse, and there's your computer. Not to mention, it's also your communications device. So when you look at technologies such as Mac, Windows, or even the Chrome slash Android OSs, it really just comes down to what you're trying to solve. So I just tell people, really know your organization, know your employees and what makes them tick. And if a Mac will help, by all means, give them a Mac. But I will tell you, uh, the Microsoft Surface is a killer device. And uh, depending on what I'm trying to solve or who I'm talking to, it sometimes can be my first choice of uh, technology to pick up when I go out the door. There you have it, straight from the expert. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit and sure. uh, talk about, you do a lot of uh, speaking engagements and uh, conferences, things like that. Uh, how has that shifted uh, in this kind of virtual world that we're living in now? So, again, we're starting to see a lot of virtual conferences, uh, more podcasts coming out, uh, vlogs, things of that nature. So what has typically been uh, the MO for a lot of organizations, um, we're starting to see them taking their conferences online. We saw this with WWDC, with Apple, and it was a very different way of doing that conference, but there were several that attended that normally couldn't get on a plane and go to California. So I think that it's going to be interesting to see how the whole conference um, uh, vertical plays out over the next year, because there is something about going to a conference uh, rubbing shoulders with colleagues and potential partners that you normally wouldn't uh, be able to do via a virtual environment, if that makes sense. So I think it's going to be an interesting shift here. I think some of the bigger conferences, you're going to have to be, we're going to have to be on top of our toes, especially with the, what we're going to deliver. Because again, a lot of people, as you said earlier, are getting, quote, zoomed out 
but I think they're also getting YouTubed slash conferenced out as well. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny. It depends on who you talk with. There are some folks that were doing 150 conferences a year, and they were kind of happy for the break, right? Somebody that just does <laughs> yes. one or two conferences a year is in big trouble because they were kind of hoping to make a lot of movement in that one or two conferences. So probably depends on where you fall on that spectrum. Um, but kind of by and large, it seems like the initial consensus uh, from the media uh, has been similar to education. It's a big failure. E-learning doesn't work. You know, nobody was ready for this. Uh, well, these virtual conferences, they're not the same. They don't work. And and my hot take on it is, you know, well, the infrastructure wasn't there. This is brand new. This is, you know, going to get better, right? Uh, it's it's not going to continue to suck. Uh, <laughs> how do you kind of feel about that? Have you even in these last uh, couple of months seen a rebound of virtual conferences uh, learn from their mistakes in March, April, May and, and continue to kind of improve and get better? Well, I've seen, uh, like I said earlier, WWDC is a good example of that. But for those who in the, in the EDU sector uh, or in education, you know, virtual learning, um, it, it can work. But for a lot of people, um, what it was is basically when COVID hit, there was this chasm that took place that everybody was rushing to get something in place when there was nothing there before because they were so used to the face-to-face. And so the way I look at whether it's education or the conference sector, um, it can work and I've seen it work. Uh, What I would say, especially with the conferencing, uh, again, how can you entice customers to show up? Uh, one of my favorite characters on uh, online is I Justine. This girl should be working for Apple. She is probably the most uh, crazy, excited person when it comes to Apple products. But just like her and several others, um, people are always returning to their vlogs. And the reason they're turning to their vlogs is they actually add value to the audience, whether it's giving away uh a key Apple product or better yet, giving good information in bite-sized chunks. I think really for a lot of conferences, they've got to think outside the box. They've got to see what I call, they've got to see possible. And when you start to see things in a different light, all of a sudden your marketing changes, the way that you engage your customers that typically show up for these conferences, they change. And it's the same way with education. Sure, because um, uh, I actually I was a professor and I noticed that a lot of students who showed up to my class, they were already engaged. They stayed engaged with me um, a little bit more intently than they would as if they were sitting in a classroom. So when you're online, you got to kind of look at the positives with the negatives and figure out, okay, what's the next vertical that we can create? And I do believe that, you know, especially some of these larger conferences like EduCause, uh, TechCrunch, um, WWDC, Microsoft's Ignite, there are ways in which you can function in this virtual world. It just takes a lot of thinking outside the box and not thinking typically like you always have. Yeah, and it seems like some of the innovative conferences uh, have taken this as an opportunity to not just do once-a-year conferences, but they could do 
once a quarter and kind of break things up, especially in technology, as things move really quickly, waiting an entire 12 months before you see the kind of unveiling of uh, new stuff uh, seems a little uh, a little backwards. I would totally agree. In fact, um, it's interesting because a lot of uh, a lot of speakers out there they always quote Steve Jobs, and he was very talented when it came to leaving the audience with just one more thing. And what's interesting is our world has changed, and with that change, even people like Steve and several others. Uh, Satya Nadala, um, Bill Gates, um, some, uh, when you really think about how they have typically presented, well, if, if you look at their, if you look at their backgrounds and if you go back and look at some of the former conferences, look at how they adapted each year to basically the culture. So, no matter what we're going to be doing, we, there's no secret sauce or playbook that we can just refer to, to to gain new attraction to our customer base. It's going to really take, okay, wow, let's think about, and I'm going to throw something very, uh, very simple out there. Um, if you remember the TV show Boy Meets World, well, the girl that played Topanga, her and her husband do a weekly Instagram, and it's really kind of funny. Um, they make it very fun, but what they do is they give away uh, things that they have around their house, which is really kind of ironic and quite funny if you watch it. But it could be a gift card that is half used. And I, I say this is that if you're a little less serious and you can have a little bit of fun with it, all of a sudden, your conferences can take shape just like some of these characters, like the Holderness family. These guys are really crushing it in this vertical. And I can tell you this, my daughter, she chimes in to their latest video every single week. And the reason why, they're funny. And at the very end, they're actually giving some good tips at the very end. So could virtual conferences look a little less formal uh, kind of like higher education and a little bit more aloof and a little bit more fun and still accomplish the same objectives. I say, yeah. Yeah. And actually you brought up a really interesting point with your examples. Um, a lot of companies are taking this opportunity to not wait and see what these conference organizations are going to do if they're going to punt out their onsite, uh, conference for another six months, uh, or go virtual and, you know, roll the dice on that. A lot of companies are taking this advantage to kind of take the power back and own that event and do their own half day broadcast, one hour broadcast, full day broadcast, um, for a fraction of the cost that would cost them to, uh, attend that you know, conference or event. Have you seen um, any anything in the market that's shown kind of success on companies kind of taking back the reins, kind of like Apple, that's a big example to do their own keynote. Um, but we've seen at market scale, a lot of companies start to do that with a lot more success than they ever thought they could have with it. Well, I actually think you're absolutely right. Now, I'm going to kind of go back to Apple for a minute there. Um, I had colleagues and friends who attended WWDC. And as it was going on, they were texting me unlike any other time before. Like I've got a few friends that are super geeks that, you know, they're going to tune in anything that um, Apple does. But these were individuals that typically couldn't get a plane ticket and fly out to uh, California. 
And so I do see that a lot of companies are starting to strategize on this sphere. I know Microsoft has done some and uh, I've got friends at Cisco. They're doing a lot more uh, vlogging uh, than ever before. And so I do see that there's a trend uh, for a lot of organizations to start to look at, you know, how have we been doing these things in the past? How can we take the best of what we did in person and take it virtual? I think there's going to be a big shift um, in the coming years of capitalizing on both. Because again, um, prior to COVID, you know, we did go to conferences, but you know what? I remember a few years ago, I think CIO Magazine and Business Insider had mentioned how companies were starting to track their employees going as they went to these conferences. And what they found is, okay, you're going to uh, say Microsoft Ignite and you're finding an executive A is answering emails when they should be at the conference. And so what they learned from this is that, hey, don't go to a conference just to do work that can wait till you get back, but focus in on the resources that you're supposed to be gaining from these conferences. And so I think really what's going to end up uh, taking shape here is it's going to be essential that marketing and are basically our product teams start to work a little bit more closely together and then start bringing out some outside uh, ideas. And again, tap into some of these individuals that are out there just crushing this whole vlog scene. They're out there, they're doing tech every week and they have got millions of followers every week. And so it kind of makes you scratch your head and say, you know what, why can't we have the same thing? Absolutely. And it's kind of funny. I heard a term recently called reverse PR. Instead of uh, trying to get on other people's shows, if you can build your own show and then have other people come to you, then you've got those other big names in your industry on your show. And it's, again, a fraction of the cost. And it's kind of cyclical. Once you you know get that going, then you get invited to go on to more uh, shows for other people. So uh, anyone out there listening, I would definitely recommend you to, to think through something like that that maybe you never would have thought of before. Because, again, the cost is minimal, and uh, there's a lot of upside uh, if you have the right uh, strategy and, and kind of think it through. Um, that is all the time we have for today, but I know we've got more topics to cover with Scott in the future. So Scott, we will definitely be having you on uh, again soon. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure uh, being with you and uh, stay safe. Absolutely. And keep learning everyone out there and we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>